Welcome to Tower Talks with Inside Towers, the wireless infrastructure industries podcast. And now for your weekly recap, a timely review of this week's top headlines and takeaways. Here's your host. Welcome to Inside Towers Week in Review. I'm Leslie Stimson, Inside Towers Washington Bureau Chief. With me today are John Salantano, our business editor. This episode is sponsored by Inside Towers Intelligence, a quarterly market report that dives deep into the wireless infrastructure ecosystem. It looks at market trends, capital expenditures, relevant M&A transactions, and more. Intelligence is designed for managers, marketers, and investors. The 2023 Volume 2 is in production and should be available shortly. So, John, you had a lot going on this week. I think you wanted to talk to us about Indus Towers. Uh, Yes, Leslie, there's always something uh, exciting happening in the tower business worldwide. I did a piece this week on Indus Towers, which is the leading tower company in India. Uh, The company operates uh, over 190,000 towers across the country and uh, is it counts uh, the the three top mobile network operators in India uh, that's um Bharti Airtel Reliance Geo and Vodafone Idea as its top customers these um <clears throat> these top three customers uh serve about a billion mobile subscribers in India so you know uh their networks are a couple of times bigger than what we see in the US and certainly, um, there are uh, n- uh, several tower companies operating in India, similar to what we have in the U.S. There's um, uh, Indus Towers is the largest. Uh, Summit Digital is uh, behind it with about 150,000 towers. And then <clears throat> American Towers, India subsidiary, ATC India, uh, reported at the end of the first quarter over 78,000 towers. And then there's other other companies behind that. But Indus uh, is an interesting uh, story and is kind of telling in terms of how the tower company, how the tower business operates. Uh, Now, every tower company will tell you the tower business is a great business. You know, Um, that is until it's not. Uh, And this is the case with Indus Towers. So what's happening is that uh, at the end of its fiscal year, which was um, it was ended March 31st of this year, uh, it reported a, a slight increase in, in consolidated revenues, uh, up a couple percent to 3.4 billion. But it's all its profitability, its uh, EBITDA, its cash flow, its profit after tax were all negative, in double-digit declines, and the biggest reason for this is that one of its main customers, Vodafone Idea, has been having financial difficulties. And we've reported this. Uh, It first had difficulty paying uh, the government for spectrum and and for financing uh, 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 instruments that it got from the government. The government, you know, gave it some relief, but then... um, you know, it it still had uh, difficulty meeting its financial obligations. It's uh, so it cut back on its capital expenditure program, which meant um, it couldn't keep up and couldn't compete with its largest competitors, uh, Airtel and Geo. And so it started losing market share, which sort of created a cascading effect. But long story short, uh, is that it 
that Vodafone Idea had difficulty or is having difficulty paying monthly rents to the tower companies. And this includes, by the way, American Tower. And we've covered this as well, where uh, to the point that, you know, in American Tower's case, Vodafone Idea is its largest customer in India. It's having trouble. <clears throat> Vodafone Idea is having trouble keeping up with the monthly payments. Um, and American Tower and also Indus Towers have taken out reserves to protect against those shortfalls. But that, um, you know, the, the, it leaves them both, both tower companies in a very tenuous financial position that it's one of its biggest customers is unable to meet its lease obligations. So um, I think the takeaway in all of this is that, <clears throat> yes, the tower business is a great business, but to assess how the tower companies are doing and what their outlook is, you got to keep an eye on their customers. And when you assess a tower company's performance and outlook, the financial health of their tenants, especially ones that comprise a, the lion's share of their, their um, uh, customer base and revenues, um, that concentration can lead to difficulties if those customers get into some kind of financial straits. So. Uh, interesting uh, development here. We're going to keep an eye on it, and we're certainly following the implications for American Tower in India as well as to what's going to happen there. Interesting, John. Interesting from the customer perspective. You know how your how your leasees are doing. Yeah. You know, all of these tower companies get into master lease agreements or master service agreements with their tenants, right? Mm -hmm. And they they. It spells out the monthly rates, the annual escalations, any other expenses or, or charges that um, that uh, fall under those obligations and agreements. And, and all is fine and well until a customer can't meet those obligations anymore uh, or, or uh, you know, is coming up short in some way or another. So, um, yes, this is uh, it's an interesting uh, um, tale and 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 indicative of what may happen or, or what could happen with any tower company anywhere in the world um, where its customers uh, may be either feeling the, the heat from a, a, a competition or they themselves cannot fund their their expansion projects they can't add more customers it's uh, it, it creates uh, an interesting what-if scenario for sure mm, thank you uh the fcc voted uh, at its monthly meeting to propose rules to speed the transition to next generation 911. Uh, the nation's call centers were really built for the analog telephone age, but this would support the deployment of advanced capabilities like uh, video, text, and data. The uh, last December, the commission proposed requiring wireless providers to deliver 911 calls and texts in IP format at the request of their local NG911 authorities. In a notice of proposed rulemaking just adopted, the commission is proposing similar requirements for the delivery of 911 calls and text by, uh, excuse me, calls by wireline, uh, interconnected voice over internet protocol, and internet-based telecommunications relay service providers. It's also proposed mandating that carriers are responsible for the costs of transmitting the calls in the new format in most cases. Um, completing the next-gen 
uh, transition requires the phone, your phone company to format the calls to be compatible with NextGen 911 and to deliver the calls to new destination points on IP networks. The uh, as state, the one problem they're running into as state and local 911 authorities have begun to invest in 911, next gen 911. Some have reported that originating carriers are refusing to connect to these destination points or are otherwise delaying the transition process. And that threatens to impose additional costs and delays. Commissioner Jeffrey Stark said during the vote that requiring carriers to deliver the calls and the information via internet protocol is critical in the next step of the transition. Commissioner Brendan Carr said, as we look to NG911 to try and make sure this transition rolls out and does so in an even-handed way, we have some challenges, uh, not unlike any other tech transition. You know, a lot of chicken and egg, who goes first? He said the proposal also addresses uh, how we ensure backward compatibility and minimize the amount of time that legacy and new systems are running in parallel. And then there's another story. Uh, the FCC is considering spectrum sharing models in 500 megahertz of the 42 gigahertz band. It wants to see how sharing models in this high band spectrum might best be used, especially among small wireless carriers. And it says that it what it learns from these experiments can inform future uh, spectrum sharing methodologies. The spectrum between 42 and 42.5 gigahertz is largely unused. So the FCC says it's ideal to experiment with sharing approaches because of the lack of incumbent licensees. The notice of proposed rulemaking proposes licensing the 42 gigahertz band as five 100 megahertz channels. And it seeks comments on other aspects of implementing a shared licensing approach. It would like input on coordination mechanisms, first in-time protections and build-out requirements. It also invites public comments on potential synergies with the sharing approaches being considered in the lower 37 gigahertz band. And it's proposing measures to protect radio astronomy services in the adjacent 42.5 to 43.5 gigahertz band. Several of the commissioners uh, mentioned that, you know, if Congress gets going on giving the FCC its spectrum authority back, um, you know, they could make progress on spectrum in, uh, matters. And uh, Rendon Carr said this item is one of those that we see coming on a range of options, putting the 42 gigahertz band to more productive commercial use. And Jeffrey Starks said, big picture, this notice is about whether exclusive or shared access works best in that band. And if sharing is the answer, you'll know exactly which licensing model is going to work best. So that's what we have for this week. Yeah, Leslie, on the uh, uh, next generation 911, uh, I think mm -hmm. an, interesting, an interesting challenge is um, Location, you know, with wireline 911, uh, when you lift up the uh, handset on your telephone, 
the 911 center knows where you are because of the line connection, right? It's a wired connection all the way through. And you don't even have to speak, you know, up, up to now. If you picked up and dialed 911 and, and no one said anything, they would still know where you are and they could send somebody to check it, check it, check out if there's an emergency or not. Uh, part of the challenge with implementing next generation 911 and, and using IP and, and mobile is uh, being able to know where the location of that call is coming from. And um, so that's part, I think, part of the, um, uh, uh, you know, the technical um, challenge that the, the implementers have to go through to make it all work. And and now that you're, you know, it's more than just voice, as you mentioned, you're layering on text and, and other other media that... Um, uh, yeah, video, enhance, text. Enhance the 911 capability, yeah. but... You know, Photos. a lot of it still has to do with uh, location and uh, where that call is coming from. So, and I guess location. Uh, I'm thinking of a separate issue in a multi-story building. Mm -hmm. Knowing what floor you're on and what office or whatever room you're in. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, they call it. You know, today you can locate a mobile phone using an X Y coordinate. Right. Mm. So this is the Z axis, right, where yeah. where they're looking at height. And that's a very good point, especially in multi uh, rise, um, uh, multi level, um, multi story buildings. You want to know where in the building that call is coming from. And uh, and that tells the first responders and uh, what they need to do. But um, mm. yeah, no, I think it, I think, you know, and I attended the um, the. Um, Safe, safer Buildings Coalition Summit a couple of weeks ago in D.C. And, yeah. you know, this was some of the discussion uh, about the, you know, using technology to enable uh, first responder communications, to enable the um, the uh, 911 uh, response centers to identify where the incident is taking place and to be able to dispatch efficiently. So it's... Uh, yeah, I think it's an interesting subset of the whole wireless business where we're using advanced technologies to make people safer, basically. And um, yeah. and it's uh, it's real important. And uh, honestly, it um, probably needs needs to get more attention, but I'm glad they're looking at it at, at the FCC in a much bigger way. And one of the bills that the House Communications Subcommittee passed, oh, I'm going to say a week, week and a half ago, passed on to the full house. Not only would it would it take some of the FCC spectrum option money uh, and put it towards, um, oh, what was the first thing? Uh, well, it would restore, it would restore the auction authority for the FCC, but it would also devote a portion of the proceeds mm -hmm. to the NG, um, NG nine one one transition to help mm -hmm. pay for this. Um, yeah, that's always the question: is now, who, who pays for this? Right? Is it the municipality? Is it the uh, uh, state government or local governments? I mean, it's it's um, you know there is a price tag with all of this, and uh, how it gets funded, I think, is an important part of the process. Yes, and what the FCC is is talking about is saying, well, unless there's a local mechanism to fund it then it would fall back on the carriers and the carriers are going, Whoa. Yes. <laughs> yeah. To them, it's just a service, you know, they, that, um, they, they carry that service over the network, but the endpoints, uh, usually it's up to the customer, but yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. yeah I was interested on your uh, on your 42 gigahertz story as well. Um, oh. and, and I think it's I think it's commendable that we're looking at tapping unused spectrum, especially mm-hmm. with wide bandwidths like that. Um, I, I my only concern is that those high frequencies, they don't travel very far. So I think they'd be used mm-hmm. maybe uh, in building or they might be used with uh, small cells along streets or something like that where mm-hmm. uh, you you have uh, you have a lot of uh, capacity, but you don't have a lot of distance to work with uh, to make it work. So um, it's going to be interesting to see what kind of uh, uh, tests they conduct to, to prove in uh, the utility of the spectrum. But I'm, I'm glad they're looking at it. I think that there's been a discussions on looking at other parts of the uh, RF band uh, uh, RF frequencies as well. And, um, you know, another discussion I, I sat in on at the Safer Buildings Coalition Summit was the repurposing of uh, 4.9 gigahertz, which is a public safety assigned band, but mm-hmm. a lot of it is still unused. And there's been a lot of calls to open up that unused portion for commercial use. But the first responders say, no, 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 we need dedicated spectrum. We can't be prioritizing calls and trying to shuffle them between emergency calls and commercial calls, you know, so um uh that's that's getting a look as well and uh yeah hopefully the uh the auction authority be restored quickly and the fcc can then uh, do its job yeah and in and another well uh, and one of the reasons the fcc is looking at this is because there's so little spectrum that isn't already allocated they're just yes. looking far and wide for any yeah. spectrum that can be repurposed for wireless so, yeah yeah very good yeah, it's a continual challenge. <laughs> Stay tuned. <laughs> yeah, really. <laughs> well, that's a wrap. Thank you for listening to Inside Towers Week in Review. And for a complete rundown of all the week's stories, check out our Saturday edition. We'll see you in a week. Thank you for listening to Tower Talks. To subscribe to our podcast, our daily newsletter, or use our other industry resources, please visit InsideTowers.com. Until next time, you've been listening to Tower Talks from Inside Towers, the wireless infrastructure industries podcast.